This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Hello and welcome to the third Points of View podcast with Jillian Kiley, presented by the National Arts Center English Theatre and coming to you from the Panorama Room of Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. One, two, three, and... Welcome to the Points of View podcast for the NAC English Theatre's 2013-14 season. In each episode, you will learn about English Theatre productions through an encounter with NAC English Theatre Artistic Director Gillian Cowley and two special guests offering unique perspectives on the piece. In this Points of View, Gillian Cowley chats with the Sound of Music choreographer Dana Teacatch and local musical theatre artist Nicole Milne about the creation of this production and the magic of musicals. The Sound of Music ran in the NAC Theatre December 3rd to January 4th. For more information about the NAC English Theatre production of The Sound of Music, please visit nac-cna.ca. Click on English Theatre. And now, here are Julian Cowley, Dana Teacatch, and Nicole Milne. Uh, thanks for coming to another Points of View here at Canada's National Arts Centre. My name is Jillian Kiley, I'm the Artistic Director, and I'm so pleased to welcome you here, and you are going to have a laugh this afternoon. Oh my god. Okay, so it's, um, it's really great uh, that you came for this. We're, we're thrilled to uh, have with us, you said you didn't want to be called an expert, but you seem like an expert to me. <laughs> so I'm going to call Nicole Milne an expert in musical theatre here in Ottawa. She really knows her stuff, so we're going to be talking to her about the form, and in particular The Sound of Music and, uh, and the history of that show, and what makes it so great. Why is this show so great? Um, and, um, and then we're going to talk to Dana Tkach. 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 I'm always afraid I'm going to say it wrong because it's spelled so interestingly. Yes. Um, and uh, Dana is uh, really uh, one of Canada's best, uh, perhaps, I won't say the best, because who knows who's in the room. Um, <laughs> so uh, Dana is widely considered an exquisite uh, choreographer and director. She did direct the uh, um, Oliver that was here three years ago that I didn't hear, but I heard amazing things about. And uh, her choreography is just filled with invention. And, and, and so we're going to talk uh, a bit to... Uh, to these wonderful women about um, sound music and different perspectives on it. And then after all of that, uh, Glenn Nudio is here and he's going to teach us a song from the show uh, so that we can, you know, you can get your vocal cords warmed up and, uh, and you'll be ready to go and, uh, and shout it out when the, when the spirit moves you. Okay. Uh, oh, I have a little bio of the girls. So I'm going to start with Nicole. And, uh, and I'll just tell you about Nicole a little bit. She's uh, from Winnipeg, Winnipeg-born, but she's based here in Ottawa. She's been featured in more than 40 musicals over the past 30 years. Now, that's a musical and a bit a year. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Uh, recent roles are Paulette, uh, from Legally Blonde, uh, Paulette from Legally, Bl uh, Legally Blonde, The Witch and Into the Woods, uh, Georgie Bud <laughs> Butekinski, <laughs> 
I don't know that name, but Georgie from the Full Monty. Monty, I never know the last name's character. Uh, Miss Adelaide and Guys and Dolls, Charity and Sweet Charity, Rizzo and Grease, uh, Val and A Chorus Line, and Amy and Company. Great shows. Uh, she appeared regularly with the Zucchini Grotto Theatre Company in various cabarets the last five years and two sold out runs of I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change at the NEC. Another great show. Uh, her directing and associate directing credits include Private Lives at the Gladstone, Rent and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels uh, at Orpheus, and Ottawa Little Theatre's Skin Flick and I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. So, <clears throat> Nicole. Yes. You've spent expert. <laughs> uh, you've spent a great deal of time performing and directing musical theater, including appearing in four different productions of The Sound of Music. Yes. Um, first of all, who did you play in those four productions? Um, actually, it was my first professional gig was as Gretel when I was uh, seven. Nice. And uh, again, when I was eight uh, in Winnipeg. Gretel? And so, yeah, as Gretel. And then in high school, I played Maria. And uh, the last time was back in 86. I spent a summer playing Louisa Von Trapp in, uh, at Rainbow Stage oh, nice. for, for a couple of months. A wonderful experience. My husband jokes that I'm going to come full circle. I'm holding up for the Mother Abbess <laughs> when, I finish, uh, when I finish my theatrical career in a few, few years from now. So, yeah, it's, 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 I've been in many incarnations. Yeah. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. um, more seriously, what, in your opinion, makes the American musical form so enduring? this yeah yeah I think it's uh, really accessible I think that it covers all of uh, the performing arts genres the singing the dancing the music it's uh, it it I think it holds huge entertainment value for an audience I think it um, that yeah that's where the longevity comes from it's accessible it uh, and of course I think m m film has helped a lot too with the genre exposing it to a greater audience a broader reach but I do think that it's the entertainment value of the the song and the dance and and uh, and the acting that appeals to a greater audience mm -hmm. for sure and did you happen to see the Carrie Underwood I did not did I do anybody? not have cable so I it? didn't see it what what are uh, what are our thoughts on that? What do you think? Was it good? Excellent. I'm sorry I missed it. I was watching it here. No, you didn't like it. Some liked it, some didn't. A lot of Broadway performers in yeah. that show. Oh, Kristen yeah. Boyle, Audra McDonald. I heard oh. well, that they had some wonderful performances. Yeah, it, it, it's a story that lives on and on. I mean, the popularity of that production on television alone. I mean, everybody was talking about mm -hmm. it. So it does have longevity. This story for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think, uh, well, I guess that's what brings people back. In the 1965 film has an iconic status, no doubt, in our popular culture, and Christopher Plummer, uh, he's Canadian, right? So hot in that, such <laughs> yeah. a crush on him. Okay, uh, he's still hot, but come on, oh, he's so... Anyway, you'll love Dimitri, too, uh, who's playing uh, the captain in our production. It does uh, differ substantially from the stage version. Yes. What, uh, for you, are some of the key differences between the stage version and the film version? Do you know them well enough? Um, you must. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, in the stage version, the roles of Max and Elsa are a lot more prominent mm -hmm. than they are in the film, mm -hmm. um, which brings a greater political slant to it. A couple of the songs that they sing on the, uh, that those characters sing on the, in the play version aren't actually featured in the film. 
I, I do think the film does a lovely uh, job of getting the flow of the story. They reposition some of the pieces, the Do Re Mi and the Lonely Goat Herd, into a little bit more Hollywood-esque kind of moments, and uh, it flows quite beautifully. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say the greatest thing is probably the characters of Elsa and Max, which are sort of downplayed in the, in the film, but are extremely prominent, especially from a political slant in the, uh, in the play. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. you'll see um, uh, Sheldon Elter, who played um, the uh, fellow at the end. If you guys saw Tartuffe, uh, he played the guy at the end who came in and told the whole story, the, uh, the ranger. Uh, so he's beautiful in this. You'll see that he's a dancer and singer too. And Petrina Bromley, who played the saucy maid, uh, is Elsa. And she's a demon in this. <laughs> she's outstanding. She's a demon. <laughs> it's such a great part. It's a great yeah, part. Yeah, it's a great it part. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would you say? or sorry, how would you say that the form of musical theater has evolved since The Sound of Music? What's different um, now? Well, I would say that it, there was a greater expansion into sort of the musical uh, dramas and pulling away from the comedy a little bit. Around that era, the sort of the second stage of the golden era of musicals, there were a lot more uh, big glorious musicals, subversive musicals, um, issues of, of, of race or um, King and I and Showboat, they started to surface after um, The Sound of Music. I think probably you also may agree that there was a huge surge in choreography mm -hmm. with Chicago and Chorus Line moving into the 60s, into the 70s, mm -hmm. Bob Fosse, Michael Bennett. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that progressed and grew and they evolved right probably carrying it into the contemporary musical that we have today, the rents and the last five years, and I love your perfect now change, mm -hmm. getting a little bit more, not unlike literature or film, getting a little bit more um, contemporary, not less afraid, talking about things that are um, a little bit uh, uh, risque in some cases. One of the more popular musicals today, Next to Normal, is a woman who is battling bi being bipolar. It's a big gangbuster rock musical, extremely popular, Tony Award winning. I think that, uh, I think we've sort of gotten to the point, not unlike uh, literature and film, where we can talk a little bit more about stuff that people aren't, you know, it's not so much Laurie Williams shaking out the laundry and waiting for Curly to come while she's, you know, hanging out, you know, through the bright golden haze on the meadow kind of thing. It's, it's nice to see how it's exploded, really. The music itself has changed, too. Do you yeah. think Sondheim was the I, trigger for all yes, of this? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. And one of my personal favorites, so mm. clever. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Changed the scope. And of course, you know, he came out with, with, with company, Promises, Promises, but also Sweeney Todd. You know, I mm. mean, talk about an interesting storyline, dark and a little bit twisted and bizarre. It kind of just sort of, it kind of brought in a little bit of darkness, a little bit of shame and curiosity into the musical theater theater realm. It was very exciting when he came on board. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, okay, thanks, Nicole. I'm going to flip over now to find Dana. And Dana Tkach. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Dana Tkach is originally from Vancouver. Uh, she's now based in Toronto. She's an accomplished choreographer and director and performer who's worked uh, at theaters all across the country and uh, often here at the NAC, as I mentioned about uh, Oliver. Dana was a member of the Stratford Festival for eight consecutive seasons as an actor and choreographer and was the proud recipient of two Tyrone Guthrie Awards and the Richard March Award. She's a member of the faculty for the Citadel Theatre Banff Professional Training Program uh, and she's also a new mom. And we can say hi to Liam, right? Yeah, Liam. he's over there. There he is. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, <laughs> and her husband Sean is um, was also the uh, the front end of the war horse. <laughs> so, uh, she, so this uh, this child is inheriting great talent. <laughs> Sean also played Ratty for me in a production of uh, Wind, Wind in the Willows. <laughs> okay, <laughs> true story. Okay. Uh, so, Dana, tell us a little bit about your process as a choreographer, and does every step worked out in advance, or do you improvise when you're in there? Well, I, uh, it took me a long time to figure out what my process was, and I, am a, I was a musician for a long time. I play the saxophone and the piano, and I sing, and that's what my university education was in. Uh, but I also danced since I was about three years old. And I come at uh, choreography in general from a very musical perspective. So I learn the score. My first step always is to learn the score, inside and out, what every instrument does, um, what the trumpet might be doing in bar 16 is relevant to me, and all those kinds of little details. So I learn a score so that I can basically sing every part in the score. And then I start to work. And for me, it comes from the music. The music tells me what I'm supposed to do. So it's almost, for my process is almost that I am phys physically reinventing how I hear the music. Um, but what was really unique about this process was that Joey uh, Tremblay, who's an incredible, great director and collaborator and artist, he very much, very much wanted me to wait until we were in the room. And he knows that I would normally go into a process with every step written down and notated and knowing what everybody's going to do, which gives me freedom to play in the room because I can throw all that away since I have all that information and go with what's and respond to what's in the room quite easily. But Joey said very specifically, let's wait. Let's wait, because what he wanted to do, and I think what he succeeded in doing, was something different mm -hmm. and something new with, some, with a piece of art that's ingrained in our DNA. Everyone responds when you sing do a deer. <laughs> right? <laughs> Everybody knows that. So Joey wanted to uh, you know, appreciate and, and place great value in that, but do something a little bit left of center with it as well and take us into other parts of the story and, and make sure that we weren't just regurgitating, but we were creating something brand new. So on this process, I challenged myself to the, to the task of just coming in the room and responding mm -hmm. and seeing what each artist, I also didn't know a lot of the artists, which makes a difference when you're working, you're not sure. So there was a few things I had worked out, but an awful lot of it we created in the room. And I think it's, it is of course different on every project, mm -hmm. but I think it's a lovely combination. The greatest successes I find are a lovely combination of incredible preparedness and complete jumping off the cliff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and trusting that actually the biggest mistakes usually create the best moments and the things that are the most daunting and when you go in I often find that the transitions or the song that you think oh I don't really like that song I wish we could cut it it ends up being your favorite moment in the piece mm -hmm. is what I often find when you respond to people that way nice. uh, you work very closely with Joey Tremblay uh, and music director Alan Cole this is not your first uh, show with these mm -hmm. guys can you tell us about that working relationship and how it serves the rehearsal process and ultimately the production to have your team as, pa as Patrick Langston said this morning um, <laughs> Oh, it was great. Oh, I can't quote it. Okay, Patrick Langston said this morning that the this uh, this team, and he talked about the team of uh, the designers and and these four, uh, or these three, um, Joey, Alan, and and Dana, who put together a show that uh, some people might consider saccharine, but in fact, it's a great piece of art, and uh, and that's something that we're all worried. You know, that there would be cynicism and people would consider it to be a saccharine production, but I think it's a really fine piece of art. And, and he credits this leadership team with that. So, that's can so you nice. tell us about uh, that team? Well, I think that 
having a shorthand uh, language, having a vocabulary that Alan and I almost don't need to speak. <laughs> we can, I can just say, I want to go from the ba-da-ba-ba on bar 14, and he'll mm -hmm. turn to me and go, okay. And, and Joey will say, I think we need something a little bit more, and I'll go, okay. And the language, <laughs> that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Yeah, but that's yeah. the point, is that I think we have a language and an understanding. We obviously have a similar aesthetic. We're, we're not afraid of doing something really different mm -hmm. with very beloved material that you don't want to mess with to the point where it's not recognizable. <laughs> But we're willing to take risks and, um, and interested in the risks. And Alan is always talking about the great um, adventure to playing against something. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, if the music is a driving beat that's very fast, see what it's like if you can get them to Fred and Ginger over top of it instead of having them dance around fast. See what you can do if you contrast what's being given to you in one place. So interestingly enough, I think we go to lots of really dark places in this in this in our production and yet somehow the heart rises above it. So I think the I think it's the fact that we have a an a, a way of communicating that's really efficient mm -hmm. and uh, and that we're all ready to jump out of our own box at any given time. The the more it's so great to work with people that push you outside of your comfort zone. Yes. And and when you trust them implicitly, I think that's a big part of it too, right? Yeah. When you trust someone's judgments and so they can say, "No, I think we should change that." You can have your moment of Oh, but I think, and then you go, oh no, you're totally right. <laughs> you're totally right. Because there's a huge amount of trust between the three of us. I think that's a big part of it too. Right. Yeah, it's, it's apparent in the yeah. show, I think. The cast in this production, including the children, have varying degrees of experience with musical theater choreography. Uh, how do you manage these differences? It's, it's a, a fantastic thing to take on when you walk into a room and you have no idea what anyone can do. And a great example of it is that I well, Joey decided at the top of Act 2 that he wanted to do something different. So we were going to do a little, I shouldn't tell you exactly, but we do a little dance thing. And I didn't have anyone in the company that knew how to do the style of dance he wanted me to do. So the way you do that is you start on day one. And they all look at you like you have 10 heads and you're crazy. And you start working with them. And by day five, they feel a bit more comfortable. And by day 10, they can actually kind of do it. And then by day 20, they look like they know how. So I think a huge part, a big part of working with a variety of different styles is that I always, always try to start with the hardest stuff first. Because the longer, even if you never, never have tapped a day in your entire life, if you start on day one and you have, say, 21 days to practice together, by day 15, you're going to feel completely different about it. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with a lot of non-dancers and non-musical theater people in musicals. And uh, the exciting thing to watch is the synapses. You can actually tell by day five something is so much easier for them than it was on day one. And so I know that. They don't always know that. So they look at me like I'm a little bit of the devil. But... Um, but when it works out in the end, and when this little moment at Act 2 that you'll see today, uh, you know, when it comes together and they all look like they know how to, to do that, I think, oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty it's great. Good. Uh, that's a great little moment, and now you'll think of that when you see it, because it's very specific. Uh, there's also um, a great uh, a piece, uh, in a, a choreography like I've never seen before. There's a duet 
uh, that kind of features figure skating. Can you tell a little bit? <laughs> I love that you call it that. I call it figure skating. <laughs> it looks like figure skating to me, but it's an incredible it's piece. Uh, these two, uh, it's uh, Liesel and Ralph, and they're doing uh, the 16 going on 17 dance. And it's an exquisite piece of work. And it really, truly looks to me like they're on skates. That's mm. so fun. Is that what you intended? You know what? I uh, My intention was that musical theater, as you know, being filled with so many different skill sets, you, ha- you have to burst into song because there's nothing more you can say. <laughs> <laughs> and in my opinion, you have to burst into dance because there's nothing more you can sing. That's so right. the dance break, the purpose of the dance break is because there's nothing more to say about it. There's nothing more to sing about it. So you have to dance. <laughs> So for me, that dance was their incredible, exciting, 16-year-old burgeoning feelings of adoration for each other and was, it was intended to be an expression of romance and uh, sexual tension, uh, but brought to fruition by movement. And you know, not very many people did it a lot better than Friend Ginger did, mm-hmm. uh, and so they were an inspiration for me. And I never thought of skating, but I love that you think it looks like skating. <laughs> and they worked so hard, mm-hmm. because neither one of them has danced a lot in musicals. You know, Le- mm-hmm. Leah has danced a lot, but David not at all. So this is a skill set for him, brand new. And, uh, and they just jumped into it with two feet and took it on. And they even do a little lift that you'll see where he lifts her. And, you know, when you've never done something like that before, when you've never had a woman come rumming at you and you grab them and you flip them around, it's really quite an undertaking and it's a, a relationship that you have to build just like a trusted scene partner or a, a life partner. You have to build that trust. And, uh, and they worked so hard and they did and it paid off. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, we love having you here, I love Dana. being here. <laughs> uh, you're fantastic to work with. And, and in fact, Dana and I are going to work together at Stratford this summer. Uh, I'm p- directing a production of Alice Through the Looking Glass at Stratford this year at the mm-hmm. Avon Theatre, and Dana is my choreographer for that show. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be an interesting piece because it's not a musical, uh, but the show is completely choreographed oh, without lovely. music. Interesting. Okay, so, <laughs> so I look forward to, to that. Uh, you're also, a, um, besides your work as a choreographer, you're also a sought-after director. And what, to you, is the main difference between coming in, being prepared to be a choreographer, or coming in, being prepared to be a director? What What's switching in your head? Well, uh, there's a pretty big switch, because mm-hmm. my, I think my biggest job as a choreographer is to realize the vision of the director. Mm-hmm. So And to, to communicate with the company in a way that makes them feel safe and makes them feel like they can do anything I ask of them. Um, Whereas when you come in as a director, you have to have that vision yourself and make sure that you're crystal clear about everywhere you're going. So it's it's a neat thing because I really do love the collaborative process, and so it's it's really fun to, especially with artists that you trust, mm-hmm. it's really fun to come in and just be there, sort of like a catcher behind the plate, to just make sure you, anything that comes your way that you can volley back and support and move the project forward in the direction of the director direction that the director would like it to go and uh and of course it's just a different different thing when you're directing yourself you have to um it's more on you (laughs) so you have to come in being the catcher and the pitcher exactly you have to be everything yeah 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 i could never choreograph my own show i admire you very much (laughs) and you know uh when during oliver this is why dana's uh, also well known as a superstar here during the run of oliver our nancy uh broke an ankle Ha- uh, hamstring. Pulled a hamstring. Pulled a hamstring. And who stepped in? This one. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Dana, personal question. Yes. You and I both have little ones. Yes. Yours is this little yes. tiny baby Andy's over here. Uh, and mine is uh, two years old. Mm-hmm. 
Um, can you really have it all? Um, what are what are some tips that you can give me to you know? You know, having an incredible partner is ninety nine percent of it. I think it's and having a wonderful baby is pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea if you can do it all, but I do. I do think it balances you as an artist to have to have life. Mm-hmm. It's really easy in our business, in my business, and, and being an actor as well, because I'm an actor too, um, to put it off and put it off and put it off, because in our, you know, it's not encouraged really. It's, we're too busy. We've got a contract over here and a contract over there, and stopping to have a family is uh, not encouraged. And I think it makes me a better artist because I do, because I do have a family. And I said I directed a play when he was three months old. And I said to the company, if you're worried about me, don't be, because my heart is so cracked open right now, I can't help but be a brilliant artist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, so, that sounds oh, like an ego, that. but you know what I mean. Was I just was like, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah. And I just think it's also really important to um, what we do is so precious and so valuable, but also must needs to be in the balance of life. And when you have a really bad day at work, Really, you're having a bad day working on a musical? It's not so bad. (laughs) And you go home and you pick up your bundle and it's all gone. And that's, I think, a really good thing. I think balance is really important no matter what you do for a living, right? So that's what I think. It is. Well, I'd like to thank these two wonderful women for joining us today and sharing their love of musical theater with us. Thank you. And thank you guys for coming and thank you for singing. And uh, have uh, have a great time at the show this afternoon. I know you'll love it. And thank you, Glenn. That's all for this edition of the Points of View podcast. Send us your comments and questions. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nac-cna.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theatre, sign up for a free e-bulletin by visiting nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can also find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theatre on Facebook by entering NAC English Theatre into the search bar. Until next time, this is Sean Fitzpatrick saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.